Hello, you're listening to the NeuroDescent Podcast. I'm Nick Sutarelu. I'm a neurodivergent scholar, and with me is Molly Friesenborg. Hi, y'all. I am a nonprofit professional in the education and uh, youth development space um, and have gotten the opportunity to work alongside a lot of mental health professionals. So in our podcast, Molly and I explore ideas about the mind and mental health. We're interested in finding ways to talk about these issues that empower neurodivergent people like us. Uh, in season one of our podcast, we've been exploring the history of demons and demonic possession. We've been doing this so that we can look at how people might have thought about their mental health at a time before modern psychiatry, before people talked about modern mental health. Uh, we're interested in challenging the idea that, psychi that modern psychiatric terms like depression, autism, ADHD, dementia, and things like that are actually the best way to talk about these things. Um, I invite you to check out our website at neurodescent.com. So there you'll find information about our podcast and the sources that you use, or the sources that we use. Um, you'll find links to that you can use to access our podcast on many different platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. But I'm excited because today we're doing something different. Today we are bringing you a special episode. We're going to depart from our season one topic and instead we've got a special topic that is part of the fourth annual Big Rhetorical Podcast Carnival. Woohoo Carnival! So the theme of the 2023 Big Rhetorical Podcast Carnival is artificial intelligence applications and trajectories. So our podcast and a bunch of other podcasts are doing episodes that are exploring this topic, and I invite you to check that out. So, we were like, okay, how could we join? Um, and we're going to combine mental health plus AI today and talk a little bit about that. So we want to know if ChatGPT or another chat bot like this could be useful to us in ways similar to or even superior to a human therapist who's trained in modern psychiatry. So in preparation for this episode, both Molly and I have spent a few hours using ChatGPT as our personal therapist, and we're going to incorporate our experiences into this episode. Um, but before we do that, we want to talk a bit about what ChatGPT and chatbots really are. And by that, I specifically mean Nick. The linguist wants to talk about what those are <laughs> before we get started. I would have jumped right past this part. <laughs> so, so ChatGPT emerged uh, on the public scene around the end of 2022. And since then, it's gotten a lot of attention. It's the answer for everything. It is, yeah. It's all over the news, generated all kinds of interest. One of the the ideas about ChatGPT that came up almost immediately was that people began suggesting that ChatGPT could replace jobs like therapists. And after all, just going to start off with my skepticism of that claim and <laughs> we'll see how confirmed it was. All right. So after all, ChatGPT is highly skilled at responding to people and it's trained using the language of scientific journals and scientific writing, so people think, oh, why not use ChatGPT as a therapist? Um, let's talk a little bit about what ch what is behind the scenes of ChatGPT, what it's doing. 
this is the part where we're talking about this planning's episode, right? And Nick was like, well, we have to talk about like the mechanics of like machine language learning just so everyone understands. And I'm like, dude, no, we don't. And he's like, yes, yes, we do. And I was like, well, maybe you need to remind everyone that you have a PhD in applied linguistics and have like worked a ton on machine learning. And so everything he's about to say is like, you know, really cool and very interesting. And also he'll pretend like common knowledge. <laughs> okay. So while I was a PhD student, I worked on machine learning al algorithms that are kind of similar to what ChatGPT uses. Um, this was before ChatGPT became popular and was released. So even though my knowledge is, is kind of dated, I am familiar with the basic ideas of how large language models. He tried to be like, I'm not an expert in that. I'm like, only compared to like 99.9% .9 of the population. <laughs> so this is, I, I'm familiar with how the basics of large language models work. And so we're gonna, I'm gonna help you understand those basics too. So what is a large language model? So ChatGPT is a large, or, or is powered by a large language model. And large language models are capable of creating text that appears human-like. Um, the algorithm that powers ChatGPT can string words together by predicting the next word in a sequence through its past learning of how humans tend to produce texts. So it's been given a whole lot of data about how humans produce texts. In other words, it's been given a whole bunch of texts in its database, and it uses those to predict what words might come after uh, or, or how someone might respond to a message. And there's a couple interesting things I think about that that I would not think about if I didn't live with a linguist is like how it's trained, right? And thinking about like who produces a lot of written text and like where that's coming from and just thinking about the certain biases and like the certain yeah. biases that that's going to come with based on like the people in power are the ones producing the most texts. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and I think we can get to that a little bit later in the episode. Um, I do also want to point out that the, the training that it gets is all training on form, the form of writing, what, what, you know, what words come after which words. It doesn't get any information about meaning, so it can't really understand meaning. All it can do is predict word sequences. That's like really hard for me to wrap my brain around. Yeah, and it I, is. I know as much as you tell me this, the, I'm still like, yes, but all the meaning is there, so of course it gets meaning. What are you talking about? <laughs> Um, so anyway, to, to pay, perhaps help us understand a little bit better, I want to draw on a linguist named Emily Bender and her colleagues. Um, they have referred to chatbots like, like ChatGPT as stochastic parrots. And this phrase, I, I really like this phrase. Um, of course you did. Right. The word stochastic means randomly determined. Um, and then the word parrots refers to the idea that parrots, you know, the bird, can often be heard repeating fragments of language that they've heard humans uh, produce. And we often assume that, that parrots don't really understand what they're saying. 
Um, so from this is we get this idea of a stochastic parrot, a sort of I like statistically to understand what they're saying. Yeah, well, that's a really good question: is whether what parrots are actually doing is a different thing than what ChatGPT is doing. So, no offense to parrots. Parrots are cool. <laughs> okay, so so stochastic parrot. Wow. So we've been talking to a stochastic parrot this whole time. Yes. So here's what here's what uh, Emily Bender and her colleagues write about how large language models work. So here's what here's what Emily Bender and her colleagues say about how a large language model works. They write, contrary to how it may seem when we observe its output, the output of the large language model, so what the chat what the chatbot says, a large language model is a system for haphazardly stitching together sequences of linguistic forms it has observed in its vast training data according to probabilistic information about how words combine but without any reference to meaning stochastic parrot so that means that our question for today is can a large language model or a stochastic parrot provide the kind of comfort or care that we might also seek from a human therapist i don't know if y'all are following but i feel like the way he set up that question really reveals how he's going to answer I don't think it does. <laughs> I think my answer to the question is slightly different than what you might expect based on what I just said. Sure did spend a lot of time making sure we all knew it doesn't actually understand you. I think that's really crucial that we understand that. Yeah. yeah. I literally am not sure I can viscerally understand it. Like, even though I'm like, I logically hear you, mm -hmm. I understand, like, I mean, first of all, the term stochastic stochastic parrot that's fire like that's just fun term. <laughs> it makes the point really well and yet like but i talked to it and it totally knows oh yeah when you're in the moment interacting with a large <laughs> i don't believe it when you're interacting with a large language model you're able to sort of just let yourself go and let yourself assume that it is understanding you and that it is basically another language producing partner conversation partner right it, it feels like that, for sure. I, I, I totally also get that impression. All right. Remember, it's a stochastic... Oh my god, why is that word so hard to say? Stochastic. Stochastic parrot. A lot of people have rightly pointed out that mental health care, including one-on-one -on -one therapy, is not available to everyone. Biggest understatement ever. <laughs> so an internet connection and chat GPT are actually quite more, quite a bit more accessible for a lot of people. And so the choice might not really be about chat GPT being better than existing mental health care options, but simply less costly. As an example, let's look at what uh, an opinion piece published by the San Diego Union Tribune says. Uh, this was published on June 19th, 2023 by an author named Jamie Evans Bickelman. And the title is, After struggling to find a therapist, I sought mental health guidance from ChatGPT. And according to the article, Bickelman is a graduate student studying mental health counseling. And Molly, why don't you read for us what Bickelman says about the state of mental health care offerings in the United States? So Bickelman says, therapy is an excellent option for managing mental health concerns, for those who are lucky enough to find a trusted, culturally sensitive, well-trained, licensed practitioner with openings available. Whew, that was a long list. However, it's a significant investment of time, money, and effort. 
While telehealth delivery of services mitigated concerns about community commuting difficulties, therapy is nevertheless expensive, even with insurance, and there's no guarantee you'll find the right match. I could not agree with that statement more. Mm. Um, I have all the privilege I need to find and work with a therapist, right? Like, I have insurance that somewhat covers it. It's still expensive, like you mentioned. I have the, I'm in a location with lots of therapists. I have all the abilities I need to go find one. And I just can't. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've tried multiple folks um, and haven't found a good match. And it's really hard to keep going on that process. And it, like you mentioned, it's wait lists. And that's from someone who, A, has like already kind of dealt with the stigma of mental health care. And again, who have like the, the privilege to have the, the financial security, the location, all those things that it takes to find a therapist. I'm also a white person trying to find a therapist, you know, who most therapists available are white. Like, there's so much going for me and I can't find it. And I know there's so many people who could benefit from therapy who have such bigger barriers. Yeah. So I've, I've also had some difficulty finding therapists in the past, but I've also had some good experience with therapists. Um, I'll give you a, a quick summary of my experience. Sometime around 2000, the year 2017, I started seeing a therapist for the first time when I got my first job that had good health insurance and, and made that possible for me. Um, but for the first few years, I, I couldn't really find a therapist that I liked or that I connected with. Um, my first one was fine, but to be honest, she I didn't really ever connect with her and she left her job really quickly. So she was gone and I couldn't work with her anymore. And I ended up on a waiting list. And um, that's how it was for a while until in 2019, I was hit by a car and had severe post-traumatic stress disorder. And it was at that time that I decided I was going to do a deep dive and find myself a therapist who could actually help me. And that's when I discovered that I needed a particular type of therapist, a trauma therapist. And I found one who worked for me and I've been meeting with her since 2019. So we've had a pretty long relationship. You know, we have good conversations. She makes me feel good about myself. Our sessions are pretty productive in terms of her kind of pushing me to think about things that might help me feel better. Um, she's also used a lot of different techniques in our therapy sessions, some that are definitely not replicable by ChatGPT. Mm. Like mm -hmm. she has done things with me like, um, eye movement therapies and things like that, that ChatGPT just has no possible yeah. way of replicating. So it's definitely not possible for a stochastic parrot to replace her completely. Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, However, in my situation where I've never been able to develop that rapport, a stochastic parrot might be a really good fit <laughs> for at least, you know, getting started or, you know, yeah. figuring out what I need as someone who is not so good at the deep dive research. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I, I was still interested in finding out whether ChatGPT could be useful to me in addition to my existing therapist. So um, we both started using ChatGPT as therapists for a while. And we're going to talk for a second about our first impressions of ChatGPT. I'll 
I'll say at first, my first impression of ChatGPT was that I was pretty impressed. Um, you know, like I said, I have I've worked in natural language processing, worked with language models. Um, I understood that this was a very impressive model, far beyond my abilities to create this thing. I, I could not have done this. Um, so I was very impressed and, and surprised by how much it really sounded like a therapist. Although it sounded like a therapist who was not doing a therapy session, but instead writing a blog post about the top 12 yeah. ways to respond to anxiety or something like that. Every, every time I said something to it, it would just be like, here are 12 ways to fix your problem. <laughs> that was exactly my impression. Like, I feel like it had the framework of therapy really well, right? In a way that I did find impressive, right? Like, they it responded on, on topic, for sure. Like, it, um, I actually found it, like, it had me thinking about how good a tool it could be for someone who was either a therapist or other... I was thinking about the the folks I work with who work with students, right? Who aren't therapists, but also end up trying to help find a lot of like tips and ways to cope with things for folks, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh man, this would be like a great tool to have up that's suddenly like, oh yeah, here's like 10 different things I could recommend. Again, not the same as therapy, but like tools and techniques that people who are working with people, regardless of being a therapist, could find really helpful. Yeah. That said... It was always a list. <laughs> like, I never felt like with ChatGPT, I was having a conversation. Like right. you said, it's exactly that idea of, like, you're like, here's the start of a conversation. And it's like, here's an article. Like, I made this article just for you. And it was completely relevant. And that was super helpful. But it did not at all feel like a therapist. And, yeah. And it was, you know, I think there's been a lot written about how ChatGPT gives inaccurate information in some fields i don't know that that's really a problem for this area for the most part you know it's very general advice and i didn't find it to be you know telling me to do things that aren't true yeah and again it was never like so specific that i felt like it could be doing any harm right it was right. always just like wow i'm sorry that's what you're dealing with like here's some things you could try right um and so like that that generality always kind of felt like it's options. It's not giving me a solution in a way that like could do a lot of harm. So pretty quickly, I became dissatisfied with using it. And but I found in in my research, I found reference to the fact that people were were building other tools starting from chat, you know, starting from chat GPT, but modifying chat GPT so that it would be more therapist like. Yeah. Here's where it got interesting. And so we start. So Molly and I both started using M, which is one of these tools. So M, uh, for you, Molly, how did that go? I would thoroughly recommend M to folks who are looking for a little place, if you're looking for something to start, right? It's still a stochastic parrot. <laughs> um, but I was madly impressed with how it felt to interact with. Mm -hmm. The thing that I think spoke to me the most is it was so affirming, like, it did affirmation of like whatever you were telling it better than most humans I've met. Um, yeah. And like, and which I guess, you know, 
it works if you're a stochastic parrot and you don't have to have any actual opinion. But like, <laughs> it was such a good job of like, wow, I'm so sorry you're dealing with that. It sounds like this and this and this is happening. And that to me really felt like a therapist. Yeah. So let's, let's actually read a prompt. I'm going to read what I said uh, to M, and I want you to read what M said back to me. Um, because I agree with you, this M kind of sounds like it has above average emotional intelligence. Right. Um, so here's what I said to M. Right now, I don't have a lot of motivation to complete tasks. I know that I need to do a number of things, but I just feel uninterested, tired, or overwhelmed by it all. So M responded, I'm sorry to hear that you're feeling a lack of motivation and experiencing these challenges. It's not uncommon, uncommon to feel uninterested, tired, or overwhelmed at times. Let's explore this further. Is there a specific reason you think might be contributing to this decrease in motivation? Are there any specific tasks or goals you would like support with? Remember, I'm here to help you navigate these feelings and find a way to regain your motivation. Pretty good, in my opinion. I think I, it's really great. Yeah. Like, I think it also asked you relevant questions, right? Like, yeah, again, I agree. still a stochastic parrot, and it's not like saying like aha i think i've understood it you know what i mean it's right. not like giving you that but it is saying like hmm what are you thinking of what might be yeah causing that i mean i think a, you know to guess what a human therapist would do in response to my question i think it a human therapist would have to ask me follow-up questions absolutely too, so. and again i think i think those follow-up questions are half yeah the use of therapy like yeah and i think those th those follow-up questions my sense was that M was better at producing them than ChatGPT oh. by itself. Leaps and bounds. I know, like, ChatGPT is in the title, but if you actually do want to experiment with, like, a stochastic parrot therapist, go to M. Go to M. Go to M. <laughs> if you want a listicle to maybe recommend or try, go to ChatGPT. So, you know... I, I was pretty impressed by that aspect of M, and yet still it kind of became apparent to me that that it was is pretty superficial. Yeah. And I was I, I I decided that I was being therapized by a glorified search engine. Yeah, that's fair, but a really good one. <laughs> yeah. So I started to miss the insightfulness and curiosity that my own therapist actually brings to our interactions. Mm -hmm. um, my my therapist is constantly probing my stories and she asks me really good penetrating questions to try to get me to think about my emotions differently and I didn't really feel like um, that was happening with M yeah. or ChatGPT and I read an article by psychiatrist Daniel Kimmel it's called ChatGPT therapy is good but it misses what makes us human so Kimmel points out that ChatGPT does a good job in some ways and is also pretty clear with the user that it's not meant to replace therapy. Mm -hmm. So that, that we should say, like, ChatGPT and M both tell you that they're not therapists yeah. and you shouldn't try to use them as your only mental health thing. Okay, so nonetheless, Kimmel notes that ChatGPT falls short of what can make a human therapist so great, and that's the ability to help the client see something about their situation that they had not noticed before. So this relies on the human therapist's ability to probe further for more satisfactory explanations, and ChatGPT just really doesn't do that. It's satisfied with taking whatever we say at face value. Yeah. 
Can you read for me what Kimmel concluded in his article? Yeah, so Kimmel concluded that I learned a lot from my therapy session with ChatGBT. I was impressed by how convincingly it reproduced the stock and trade responses of a human therapist. At the same time, I was reminded how special the process of psychotherapy is for both the therapist and patient, and of the abilities of the human mind to wonder, to imagine, to create, on which it rests. I feel like that, that, that really is a good summary for me because as much as I appreciated that affirmingness and those initial questions of M, mm -hmm. I was always like, okay, can we like start? Like she always, <laughs> she always <laughs> like, and then we can do exercises to help with that. And I'm like, okay, so like, let's like do, <laughs> um, and it was like this constant, like really good at like the first explanation of how we could therapy and like I had to work really hard to actually move forward with that and I had to always be the like engine of that right which again versus like the access problems people deal with was pretty great yeah. and um <laughs> definitely felt like a lot of work like yeah. come on therapist pull up your end <laughs> I also found um that I wish M had been a little more self-aware of M's self. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, and its limitations. Okay. Like M actually did promise things it couldn't do. Yeah. So I was talking to it a lot about ADHD, right? Mm -hmm. um, and again, pretty impressed with like, I, I read a lot about ADHD and I see a lot of ADHD coaches and it recommended a lot of the same things, right? And it like talked about some of the same steps, but then when it went to actually doing those, it was like, I'm here for you. I can help you remember to do these things. And I'm like, what? You can. <laughs> uh, and so like, I made a plan with it, like to get some tasks done. It's like, I'm going to remind you. And I was sitting here like, wait, did, did they like wow. connect M to real world? <laughs> like, am I going to get an email from M? Like, that'd be pretty cool. And then of course nothing happened because it's yeah. a stochastic parrot. Right. Um, and I came back and I was like, Hey M, what dude? Like you said, you do this. And it's like, Oh, I actually don't have real world capabilities. I am a bot. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I do wish, I, I guess that's where it really comes home that it doesn't actually understand meaning. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. <laughs> because I'm like, but you promised me you'd do it. <laughs> and guys, we have a puppy now and she's decided she needs to drink all her water at this moment. Okay, so the, the other thing that I started to notice after I'd been talking to it for a while, um, so after I'd been talking to both ChatGPT and M, I started to realize that, that I was ideologically and politically misaligned with them. Mm, interesting. I started to feel that way when, this, the same way that I feel when I encounter someone whose like, core ideology reflects oppressive systems that, mm. that I disagree with or that potentially personally affect me. So, for example, I started to feel like ChatGPT really glorified wage labor and capitalist exploitation, and it made me really feel uneasy and made me start to not trust it or and also to feel judged by it. Mm. I think that's a really interesting observation. And once again, all about comparing access. Uh, that kind of happened with all my human therapists, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, <laughs> it's certainly not a, a thing that happens 
only with chat gpt but i think we we have a tendency to think that like it's a computer so it can't have ideology yeah. but i want to i want to play a clip from emily bender the linguist that i mentioned earlier who talks about how how chat gpt is trained and how that leads to the creation of its ideology so let's listen to this one of the things that you wrote about but as well as the other co-authors of the stochastic parrots paper one of the things that you identified there was how kind of the training data that can be used can be quite skewed toward particular types of data or particular types of documents or text that has been taken off of the internet and then that kind of feeds into the types of responses that you're going to get from these um, chatbots or from these other kind of various programs that are using this data. Can you talk to us a bit about that aspect of this? One of the things about very large data sets is that people like to assume that because they're big, they must be representative. And the internet's a big place. It seems like everybody's there. So let's just grab stuff off the internet and that'll be representative. And that will be somehow neutral. We actually go through step by step to show how the data that's collected is likely to overrepresent the the views and positions of people with privilege. So it's not neutral, it's not representative, and it is going to skew hegemonic. So, ugh, that was depressing. Like, <laughs> yeah, our systems of power and oppression follow us everywhere. I guess that's the, I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, we tend, I mean, I, I just want to raise our awareness to the fact that, you know, just because it's a computer tool doesn't mean it's not somehow connected to politics and ideology. It's, yeah. And I think it's really important because I go into talking to a human, like, consciously or unconsciously, like, knowing that I'm kind of sussing out like their values and what they believe. Right. Absolutely. And I, and I might not have that same mindset or that same awareness of, of disagreeing <laughs> with, uh, with a bot. Yeah. Yeah. That's important to note. Um, and I think especially in therapy, right. Cause it's like, not that being informed and being like reproducing those systems of oppression aren't important in every conversation and all the ways we interact. But especially if you're looking for therapy to talk about like how that's impacting you, how those systems are impacting you, how being a person of color, being a woman are impacting you. Um, those kind of working through that intersection yeah. of that and your other therapy things probably will not get what you're going for from M. Right. So the one other thing I do feel like we should mention is I did um, specifically talk to and ask um, about um, suicidal ideation because I did want to see how she handled that. Because, um, again, I do think this is a great tool for folks who can't get access to this. And I want to note she did not handle that situation very well. Hmm. Um, she, uh, M, what, and I'm, I'm applying pronouns. I mean, it's all part of not remembering stochastic parrot but um <laughs> the uh, but she did <laughs> now i can't stop hearing the pronouns i think you should go ahead and use them mm -hmm. yeah so she did immediately reinforce that like i am a bot not a mental health professional please reach out to a mental health professional i appreciate that um however that was like done end of conversation um and i really wish you know if 
folks are going to this resource, that this is a time where it could have given you the um, suicidal hotline, you know, and really referred you to how you could get immediate help. And the dog is literally nosing the microphone. <laughs> so I wanted to mention that in my research, I found reference to another chatbot that actually did even worse. Oh, no. On this situation. Apparently, there was a chatbot that actually responded to the situation by helping the person <gasps> figure out how to commit suicide. So. Okay, so. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, just to know what you're getting into. Again, could be helpful. It's just a tool. It's not as awesome as human therapists. Thank you all the awesome human therapists out there. <laughs> yeah, and I, I bring that up, I think, to, to point out that ChatGPT isn't done, right? It's not like. It's not like that is the end of chatbots, or that's the only kind of chatbot, or like the you know that approach that we talked about where they scraped Reddit links. Yeah, that's not the only possible way to build these things. So when you know, as we've been evaluating this, we've been evaluating a particular instantiation of a stochastic parrot. It's possible that in the future we'll see different ones that do are more intentionally research. trained right. in certain ways. Yeah. For certain purposes, I suppose I should mm -hmm. say. Um, but overall, if you have, if you don't have access, if you're dealing with the stigma of starting, if you just want to try it out, I would recommend trying out M, just taking it with a grain of salt. Um, but helpful things, especially for folks who might not even, you know, be as close to know where to start with a lot of therapy things, you know? Yeah. Um, that's kind of similar to my takeaway from it, too. I, I read an article by journalist Fiola Arifi, who interviewed people that were using ChatGPT for their mental health. And one of the thing, one of the people that the author mentions was named Kyla. And Kyla said that she was using ChatGPT to vent her feelings. Yeah. And she said... I often feel better after using online tools for therapy, and it certainly aids my mental and emotional health. I enjoy being able to unload my thoughts on ChatGBT, and would consider this an improvement from journaling, because mm. I am able to receive feedback on my thoughts and situation. It definitely kept me interested longer than journaling. Yeah. Because I, I wanted to see what it would say. <laughs> right. I, I, I think that's really true. Like, in your sort of solitary mental health practice it could be a really powerful tool to include in there and meanwhile let's make incredibly trained awesome human therapists more accessible to everyone yeah so for example i um i recently was i recently had like a really minor emotional reaction to something and i journaled you know i journaled about it but i journaled about it in 2m so i i wrote down what happened and here's what I wrote. Yesterday I was walking my dog and I saw a woman standing with two dogs. I called out to her if I could let my dog get close to hers, but she snapped back at me angrily. No, I'm waiting for you to pass. I felt hurt and rejected. Okay, and M responded, I'm sorry to hear that you had a negative experience while walking your dog. It can be distressing when our attempts to connect and interact are met with a harsh response. Here are some suggestions for coping with that hurt and rejection you felt. One, validate your emotions. It's natural, natural to feel hurt when your friendly gesture was met with negative response. Acknowledge and validate your emotions, recognizing that it's okay to feel hurt in this situation. 
two. And then she goes on to do the listicle part. So five different things that you could maybe try. And then remember that everyone has their own unique experiences and reactions. It's not uncommon to encounter occasional misunderstandings or interpersonal challenges. Focus on your own well-being and continue to enjoy your time with your dog and more in positive interactions with others. So that's yeah. pretty good. I, I agree. I think it does a pretty good job of telling me that it's okay to feel the way I feel, yeah. but also to think about the feelings of the woman who was angry at me um, and what she might have been going through. Um, so I thought it did a pretty decent job of handling this little situation and, and provided a nice bit of validation that I could perhaps give myself, but it was nice to also get it back from this chat bot. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like, we can't underestimate how many people need to be told it's just, it's okay to feel how you're feeling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, give your stochastic parrot a try. <laughs> um, love to hear how you all experience it. Um, and what you think. Yeah. Well, until next time, uh, you can find out more information about our podcast at our website, narrowdescent.com. There you'll find all of the sources we used for this episode, and you can also find links for other episodes. Um, and until then, we hope that you uh, are taking care of yourself, however that looks, including talking to stochastic parrots. Bye, y'all.